0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
1: Whether you identify as a millennial, Gen X, or even Gen Z, the quarter life crisis can have you feeling stuck in work and love. In today's bonus episode, I'm speaking with expert and author Tess Brigham. You'll learn while the quarter life crisis is a real thing and her four-step method for finding your groove. Now, I've known Tess for years. She's unbelievable. She's been dubbed the millennial therapist by CNBC. She's a certified coach, licensed therapist, author, She's based here in the San Francisco Bay Area and has over 15 years of experience helping thousands of people find their purpose, develop their confidence, and create a life they're excited about living. She is a regular contributor at both CNBC and Forbes, and was featured on the TV show The Doctors to discuss the millennial mental health crisis. She's also been featured. I, I'm going to name a few: Oprah Magazine, New York Times, San Francisco Chronicle, NBC News, Huff Post, Marie Claire, Buzzfeed, Newsweek. You name it. She's been everywhere. I am privileged to call her a colleague and friend. Uh, you know, I don't give any BS here on the podcast, I only have experts who know what they're talking about, so stay tuned for an amazing conversation. I'm Dr. Abby Medcalf and I'm a practicing psychologist, number 1 Amazon best-selling author, TEDx speaker and all-around relationship maven with over 35 years of experience helping people just like you. Join me as I teach you actionable tips and strategies to create connection, joy, and ease in all your relationships. So let's get to it. So welcome back to the podcast. You know I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf. If you don't by now, I'm not sure how to help you. And if you're watching on YouTube right now, you're very excited because you're also looking at the amazing Tess Brigham, who I'm so excited to have on. Hi, Tess. Welcome. Hi. So I've known Tess for many years, as I mentioned in the intro and uh, and as you also know, I don't just like have my friends on the podcast. you've been listening you know we're over two hundred and forty episodes in you know, finishing up the fifth season. I do not give you bullshit i I don't just go, oh, here's my best friend, let's have her on the <laughs> podcast and figure it out uh, but Tess is a good friend of mine because she's so frigging brilliant, and I just Her work is always impeccable. I send so many clients to her every chance I get when I know that they're the right fit for her because it's so rare to have someone who has the counseling background you know, it's a is a is a licensed therapist and a certified coach. Like that is a beautiful combo. So I just want to be clear that I'm having her on because she has so much to offer. And I do these extra special, I feel like it's a it's a PBS after school special. <laughs> like it's a it's a very special episode of Blossom. Yeah, it's a very special episode of Blossom uh that I am having Tess on. So her book True, you a step by step guide to conquering a quarter life crisis. And I'm holding it up. There she's holding it up. It's so beautiful. Um, So if you're watching us, you see it. If not, you're just listening, going, what the hell? But we're going to take you through it all. And, you know, I, I, I highly recommend the book. It's great. I recommend it to my clients again. And um, and that's why I'm doing this special episode. I've had a lot of you write in feeling stuck. You are really in the wheelhouse of what Tess teaches so well. And so I, I wanted to give the love. And, I, and here I have an expert that I know. So why not do it? So we're going to start. So, you know, this is conquering your quarter life crisis. So, but we're going to start first with really talking about the different like who, who's in a quarter life crisis? let so Tess, tell me like, so we, you know, we got boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. Do, I have some of the dates written down. I had to go look them up. Cause I'm like, who, who is everybody anymore? But what, give me yeah. what you know. Who's who? <laughs> who's you who? Know, I mean,
2: what? I know. And I get this question a lot. Like, who am I? Where, where do I fall into yeah. all of this? And, and you know, people do get very mad too because they don't like to be labeled yeah. as a particular generation and i will say that all of these generations all of this was all of these generations and how they were labeled this was all done by advertising advertisers mm-hmm. wow. created all of this so this this isn't um science you know yeah, yeah, take, it, <laughs> take it with a grain of salt uh-huh. right but the idea of this is is this it's important to it's important to understand the generations because a lot of it is about when when you're born and when you came of age is important because the events that are surrounding you when you came of age does influence how you see the world. I mean, I myself am a generation Xer, mm-hmm. and when I meet other people that are around my age, the way we see the world, how we interact, how we parent our children, how we um, you know, how we react to things, it is very similar. So yeah. there is something about that. So yep really quickly, you know, boomers are, as we know, were born right, right after the um, right after World War Two, mm-hmm. into I think what I want to say 65, 65, 65 to 80. is the cutoff. Oh, yeah. yeah, 65 into 80 is generation x 85 into I mean, sorry, 80 into um, the late 90s is uh, the uh, millennials. Gen Z is late 90s into um, the,
1: I want to say Gen Z cutoff is it's like 2012, it. actually. Well, I, I, looked yeah. I, I looked it up because I had to. Looked it up. Okay, so I know, I have it right. So you and I are parenting Gen Zs, you know? Yes, yeah, parenting the yeah. Gen Zs.
2: So right now, what's really happened is is that right, so millennials right now, we have the older millennials have turned 40. Yeah. So so we've got millennials right now that are, right, the youngest millennials yep. are in their late, late 20s, 20s mid, to, right. mid to late 20s, and some are in 40s. So mm-hmm. a lot of millennials now are, um, you know, having children, married, having children, yeah. doing all of that. Gen Zers now are, some are like, our kids are in high school, yeah. college, some are in the workforce. Yep. You know, the pandemic really, if anyone listens to me, I will say the pandemic greatly affected Gen Zers more than anyone else. I agree. Greatly affected.
1: Wholeheartedly agree.
2: Um, But, you know, one thing that I talk about in my book that I felt like was very, very important for people to hear is that what it's like to be a young adult in the world today is so radically different. And I think older generations needed to hear it. Younger generations needed to hear it because what, you know, the, the development of young people today is, is so different than what it was when I was young, Yep. what it was like when my parents were young, because that our world is so different. What it's yeah. like to, um, you know, what it's like to go through school is so different. What mm-hmm. it's like to... You know it's it's so much harder to just you know it, it you know we see this now with people struggling to pay off student loans yeah what it's like to buy a home what it's like to establish yourself at a company and right you know what it's even retirement you know some <laughs> of these things some of this sort of quote unquote the american dream mm-hmm. that was once promised to people mm-hmm. that was promised is no longer a promise and, and yeah. there's some stats out there about how you know once upon a time in 1950 if you you know it, in 1950 you had a 90 percent chance of out earning and building a better life than your parents yeah by 19 i want to say by the year 2000 you had a um, 50% chance of wow. building a better life than your parents. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, who knows what the stat is. Right. 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 It's so lower though. Think, <laughs> yeah. That's what's happening now. Right. <laughs> yeah. So once upon a time, the idea was right. You, you, your parents, you build a better life than your parents. And what we're seeing now is, is that kids are living with their parents. Yep. They don't have a hope of buying a home. They don't have a hope of that. And I think I do see the tides changing. I don't think we're seeing as many articles anymore about like, stop buying those lattes. Stop. Yeah. We're finally seeing, you know, people stop lecturing young people on avocado toast. They're seeing that. Okay. We've got to stop saying that because it's not avocado toast. Right. The reason why they can't buy a home.
1: You, you have a great real problem. You have a great, uh, in your book. I'm just going to, cause, Tessa's book is so good. She taught, she, this is a quote in here that when millennials were born, tuition at public four-year colleges was just $3,190 per year adjusted for inflation. By the time they grew up and enrolled in college, tuition rose, are you ready? 213%, 213%, and I'm not making 213% of, right, maybe what my parents made, you know, kind of thing, yeah. right? Uh, To a cost of $9,970 a year. And also, between the years when millennials were born and a few years after they finished college, the cost of an undergraduate degree rose 213% at public schools. So that's the overall, right? It's so when we're comparing, that's the problem. You know, when we're quote unquote adjusting for inflation, the how much more things are costing is no joke. And You talk in the book, too, about how uh, average young adult workers earn $10,000 less than young adults in 1989, which is a decline of 20%. So, and, you know, many jobs require a degree, right? While in the late 80s, the same young worker with no degree earned roughly the same amount of money. And this is the thing that I think gets ignored a lot. You, you know when when avocado toast is brought up, which makes me yeah. crazy, yes, or, or don't have a ce- an iPhone or something or don't have a cell phone, you know that it's really getting missed is that it's not uh, it's not adjustable, do you know what I mean it's not it's not relatable. sorry it's like comparing apples to not oranges but to gorillas yes. like it is it is that far, but I think we're fish that don't know we're wet. We haven't realized how bad. Do you, you know, because you know, everyone's yeah. just been doing it, but I was talking not long ago with a friend of mine about how a friend of ours in high school, he, his job was putting in car stereos. That's what he did. He had a pickup truck mm-hmm. and he drove around and he put in car stereos, okay? And he supported, a, he had two kids. He supported a family wow. on that. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Like just to give yeah. you, right? So no college, but a specialized skill, like, this yeah. was a specialized skill. He had all the tools and all the things, right? But he supported himself and a family. Mm-hmm. That, you know, so you could do that. You could have be a skilled worker in some way like that, mm-hmm. uh, not a skilled worker like, oh, I know all these software, you know, I know AI. Yeah, that's a skill. <laughs> you know, you don't necessarily have to have a college degree and be incredible at AI or something else and get a job. But there's just such, there's no comparison, that's yes. I think, and I'm I'm a little tough. I'm right on that line of boomer, and because uh, I'm 65, so right on that. Yeah, I know you all know how old I am. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I'm right on that line, but I also had older, much older siblings, and so I feel like I was really kind of boomer. But a lot of the Gen X stuff really hits hard. You know the. You know, having to leave the house in the morning, being told, I don't want to see you, literally being told that <laughs> I don't want to see you till five o'clock. Like oh, wow. we weren't allowed back in the house. We were really? allowed back in the house. We had to be out. Yeah. When the street lights mm-hmm. came on, pretty much. And you would hear people parents yelling out of windows, you know, mm-hmm. and then you'd go home. Like, but you weren't allowed to just come in and out of the house all <laughs> like that wasn't a thing. Um, and I, th- it's, it's the latchkey kid thing. You had keys to your home, mm-hmm. you know, like there was a very different vibe around stuff. Sometimes I'm saying stuff to my kids and they're like, what? Like they can't yeah. even, they're so far from that. They And like, granted I had kids older, but they just can't even like get their heads around like a road. Yeah. My, here, I love this. Wait, I just have to share it really quick. We're driving by a sign here in town the other day and, and it said like 1-800- got pain or something like that right mm. it was it was an injury lawyer right um uh and so and i'm just giving her props i guess anyway so right that's what it says the injury lawyer it's the one who got pipe and my and my daughter goes i don't know how people are supposed to know what to call with got pain like when it has words like that mm. and i said oh well each number in your phone has oh, three letters correlated to it. No she didn't know to the she had no idea. She and she's a smart 17-year-old. She's not mm-hmm. like, you know, she's not some like I don't, I'm yeah. not part of but enough and, and I thought, holy shit. Like <laughs> And I was trying to be, you know, not laugh at her or anything. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. But I th- this just happened last night. I thought, how crazy is that? But I, I think someone listening right now is going, oh, that's what that is. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, there's numbers on the phone. And I w- and then I went back with her. I said, yeah, I remember, you know, the phones were on the wall. And they mm-hmm. were, you know, rotary dial, yeah. you had to put your finger in and you had a, if you were lucky, you had a long cord so you could go around yeah. the corner and have a private conversation. You anyway. you go into your room and shut the door. I, oh, I, I, we, like, we didn't have that. But, you no. know, like, you know, and it was later, <laughs> I think, that the push button phone came out. Uh, you know, it's just a weird time. Do you know know what I mean? It's just a very weird time that way. And again, I think people think they're comparing apples to oranges and they're comparing apples to gorillas. So I just want to say that. And I think your book did such a good job of laying out these kind of examples. Like millennials are, you know, they're buying houses later, not because Mm -hmm. they're buying avocado toast, but because it takes longer to save the money because the houses are more expensive
2: yes and i think what was happening a lot of times is i think the older generations were thinking oh they're peter pans they're they're wanting to be young a long time they're wanting this and they're wanting that it's like no it was because they needed you know they needed two incomes they needed to establish themselves they needed to get to this you know it took so much yeah. for them to establish something to for them to get into the home that's what was happening and what what i was also seeing for young people themselves is they were also feeling like there was something inherently wrong with them because what they were mm-hmm. hearing from their parents was what's wrong with you? you know, right. Why aren't you doing what we were doing? Cause the parents kept comparing them to them, you know, to their lives and they were looking at that. And that's another big thing that I kept seeing over and over again was the influence of, and I talk about this in the book, social media and the impact of technology and social media and how social media plays such a huge role in how young people see themselves and just the comparisonitis and how easy it is, even though you know, when you go on social media, it's, you know, it's not all real, how easy it is to, and I was like scrolling, I scroll through it too. And I start to feel really bad about myself. And then I start (laughs) to feel anxious about all this stuff I'm not doing. And Mm -hmm. should I be promoting this? And should I be doing this and that? Right? You, you start to feel yourself getting anxious as you go through, and the impact of this combination of feeling like, what's wrong with me? Like what am I doing wrong? Why am I not excelling in the ways in which I should be excelling? And I think we're finally starting to realize that it's got nothing to do with these generations. It's got to do with a whole host of things that are out of really out of the control of this generation. Yeah. It's got to do with things that are much larger that happened, mm-hmm. you know, that that we now know happened historical events that happened.
1: Right. Oh, so good. So Okay, so let's talk so I everyone hopefully has this background now. Really understanding Mm -hmm. that it's different if you're listening. And a lot of my listenership, I know I see you, are between kind of twenty-eight to forty-four is the vast majority of who's listening right now. So I know this is really, you know, can be right on the money for all of you. And and some of my younger ones too. Thank you for tuning in. And my older ones. But what is exactly, because I think quarter-life crisis even, I like how you were talking about it earlier when we were chatting earlier um, before the podcast because we had to catch up, uh, about what is a quarter-life crisis exactly? When you're talking about it, what do you mean?
2: So a quarter-life crisis is, it's a crisis
1: of identity,
2: essentially. Mm. It's a crisis of who am I? How did I get here? It's It's when you hit this place of, The person that you thought you were isn't quite right anymore it's not who i am Mm -hmm. um and i think uh, what trips up a lot of people is when they hear quarter life much like midlife yeah right because you don't necessarily have to be 40. have a midlife crisis just as you don't have to be exactly 25 to have a quarter-life crisis yes i say to people you can be because i talk about this in the book where i have my own quarter life crisis (laughs) 27 right you can be 32 33 and have a quarter-life crisis you can be 23 and have a quarter-life crisis it's really dependent on where you are in your life the circumstances of your life where you know all of these other factors yeah but it's really when you've hit a place. And for me, it was, you know, I had had this vision of who I was and what I wanted my life to be. And I had built my entire life around it. And it was so um my identity was around it, what I thought I my whole life was going to be. And I got to this point where it hit me that I really didn't know who I was that I, I had, I had spent my entire life and, and really had built in and, and every waking hour, <laughs> building this life for something that I didn't really want anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was very hard. I had to first, you know, it, untangle myself from this identity that I had spent so much time and energy. You know, I was sort of this person that had dreamed of working in Hollywood my entire life, And to kind of let go, I had to let go of this identity. This is who I was going to be. And, and then I had to walk back a little bit of like, okay, so if I'm not going to be that person, if this isn't who I am, then who am I, you know, Mm -hmm. what kind of life am I going to live? Like, how am I going to, um, you know, how am I going to live? And it really forced me to figure out and, you know, really stop and think about my ego and how right like do I do I need to be someone who needs to work in Hollywood to feel special? Yeah to feel like an important person. Mm. And and that's what the process was like for me. And I think each person has to figure out for themselves like why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. Because I had to ask myself like why am I working so hard? Why am I doing this job? Like what's the purpose of all of this? Yeah. like if you're going to get up every day and go do this work why are you going to go do it and so everybody's crisis looks a little different mm-hmm. everybody's situation's a little bit different and that's why when people come to me and they say, you know, I think I'm going through a crisis, am I going through a crisis? And, you know, how does this look? I always say, like, don't spend too much time trying to figure out if you're going through a crisis. If you think you're going through a crisis, you think you're going through a crisis. People <laughs> right. spend way too much time trying to figure out if it's a crisis or not. Okay, fine. it's a, you it's, know, a yeah. Okay, you're right. going through something. Like, <laughs> Why do we have to label it? It just is, yeah. but you definitely need help. <laughs> if you're struggling, you're struggling. You right. know? So great, you're struggling. So that's what's so, going on. But it's, it's really about this, it, 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 and that's what's so hard about it is it's this separation between who, what you think your life is going to look like and who you think you are versus what is,
1: what, yeah. what,
2: what is happening.
1: Right. Oh, that's and so that's good. that's so hard. That's so good. I actually, it's uh, as you're talking, I'm thinking, God, are, you know, a quarter life crisis, a midlife crisis, I think they're the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> they are.
2: Mostly. They are. You're just at different. You're just at different, different points. Right. And and you know th- they're different points. And also you're you're you also know different things about yourself. You have different time frames. Right. right. Like you have different time. I think what's so hard about the quarter life is that you have. um, and And, and what's so hard about when you're young is, you know, far less about yourself. Right. Because right. that's that's what's hard like when young people come to me, yeah, they know they don't know enough about themselves. This is the process of getting to know yourself that's so hard is and you're trying to figure out your career, right? I I determined that I wanted to work in Hollywood and work in entertainment at 12, 13 years old when I really didn't know who I was. Right so, and I had <laughs> and I had created this identity around it. And that yep. was the problem was that I didn't I didn't become myself and then decide I was going to be this, like decide right. I was going to work in Hollywood. I decided I was going to work in Hollywood and then tried to fit my personality around that. And yep. that was the problem. And yep. that's what a lot of people do yep. thinking that was going to make me happy. Yeah. And, and, and so that's what happens a lot of times is, and and so when, when clients come to me, a lot of the work that I'm doing with them is this kind of strange thing of, right, this process of you're trying to figure out like who you are while you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. And you have to kind of at the same time, go out and like, figure out what you want to do with yourself. And so you have to like, take on jobs and work at them. And then you're learning about yourself. And as you're learning about yourself, it influences the kind of jobs that you take and right. what you do. And, right. Right, and that influences yeah, all these things, and it influences the relationships you get into, yeah. right? And that influences who you are as a human being, right? I mean, as, who you are as an <laughs> who you are as a human being influences the relationships. Yeah, you get of into, course. Right, and you can see that, and all of that takes time, and that's a and that's a process, right? And that's why right? Finding that right relationship for you takes a long time. That's why finding that right career path takes a long time. Yeah, That's why all of these things take a while.
1: Take a minute. Uh, Well, and I think that's the difference in the past. You know, if you went to college for something, you went and did that job because you'd already invested all this energy in it. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was the only, and I think that's why there used to be a midlife crisis more Mm -hmm. just because you didn't come even to a place where you were allowed to look at yourself. You know, it just was, right? You're going to do this, then you're going to do this, then you're going to get married, then you're going to have kids. and Like there was such a a way that things were laid out. I, I did like, you, you know, from the time I was seven, apparently, I always said I wanted to be a lawyer to the point where all my gifts when I graduated high school were wrapped in the yellow, there used to be Yellow Pages people, were wrapped <laughs> in the Yellow Pages lawyers section. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I went, and I have a bachelor's in political science. Yes, everyone. I do not have a bachelor's in psychology. I have a bachelor's in poli sci because I was going to be a lawyer. And then you go do that, and you're like, "Oh, I hate this. What, what was I mm-hmm. thinking?" And but I think so many people go, and you talk about it in the book. You know, there's a we'll talk about. It. There's this sunk cost fallacy, which of course we learn yes. in business school. But talk about that a little.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, and I talk about this in the book about this idea of we tend to do this. And I, and I did this too, when I was in LA, like I really had a hard time when I realized like, oh, I don't like what I'm doing. I had a hard time just packing up my stuff and leaving LA Mm -hmm. because it was like, and at the time I, you know, being 27, right. Right. I, you know, I felt like I had devoted my entire life to this. I can't possibly leave. So when we So when we devote so much time and energy to one thing, what, you know, we have a hard time just giving it all up. Yep. And so we just keep putting more time and energy into it. Yes. And that's what we tend to do is we keep, it's like a relationship, (laughs) like anything else is Mm -hmm. we keep digging in and we keep digging in and we keep digging in trying to make something work that we know yeah. isn't going to work right and it's and, hard right? and, it <laughs> and, and at the same time I, I do think there is something to be said for um right like in relationships too where we feel where we have to kind of you know beat it to death, right beating mm-hmm. you know sometimes in life we have to oh, do everything that we can it, and just do it all happens all have. the time
1: well, or yeah. people are in a marriage for certain, or a relationship, yes. and what I hear all the time is someone might be in a relationship for years, and then you know you start younger, maybe in your early twenties, and now you're in your late twenties, and you're realizing maybe this isn't your person, but you're going mm-hmm. forward because you're starting to think, well, I want to have kids, yes. and I want, and if I start all over again, that's going to be, and then you're forcing something. As opposed to just remembering, like, God, you could break up today and meet the love of your life tomorrow and be married in three months. Like, you don't know. Mm -hmm. You don't know. Like, you know, there's just this idea about it. And in business, we call this sunk cost, you know, where there's certain things that you're always investing in a business. And then, you. but there's this, can be this fallacy that, oh, well, I already have all this money invested in this business. So I'm going to have to keep putting good money after (laughs) bad because- You know, th- I have to make this pay off as opposed to, you know, taking the loss, quote unquote, and moving and learning from it and moving on. Again, maybe making a million dollars in your business the next week. Like, you don't, you know, from everything you learned, you don't know. But that's what happens, I think, in so many, and with the clients I meet too, like you do, that they're- they have this idea, this scarcity of, you know, well, I already invested. I already went to school for this. I, oh my God, all the money my parents spent on this education or I spent on this education, I can't just throw it out the window. Yeah. And you're not. I mean, I learned a lot of things in my poli sci degree that I feel like I still use and I still have yes. an active interest in politics and other things. Like it's okay. I, I, I you know, learning is learning, <laughs> mm. growing is growing, and it gets you to the next place, but it's very easy to forget in the moments, right?
2: Yeah. And I- I always say to people that I, I truly believe in some of this is just because I'm, you know, getting older and I've been on the, the earth a lot longer is I truly believe that every job that you have has helped me and in, in everything. Yep. Yep. My years of working in Hollywood and the jobs that I did there continue to help me to this day. Yeah. I have a film degree, you mm-hmm. know, and you right. would think that I would, my, would be angry and resentful that I have this film degree <laughs> and I'm not, you know, yeah. I, I, and I and I think college and my college experiences I'm very grateful for. It was a great time, and you know I I, I think that um, that and uh, especially in undergrad education is really not about what you major in, right? It really right. Isn't. Yep. So it's it's a little bit of you know, you go and you do that for other reasons. I mean, do I look back and go, did I have to work as hard as I did? Probably not. Like, <laughs> I wish that really I had does. relaxed a little bit more and enjoyed my life a little bit more, for sure. Uh-huh. I think I always, I that's probably, you know, probably something I should be doing in general. Yeah. But look, you know, you're never ever going to regret doing things that you believed in, you enjoyed, you wanted right. to do all of those, those yeah.
1: Okay. So. Leaps. You're taking. Right. Right. Leaps towards whatever it is that you want to do. Without a doubt. All right. So, so let's get, so there you go. So it's really being stuck at any point and really feeling like you're.
2: Disconnected from who you are. Yep. Something doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel,
1: yep. In whatever way that is for you. So you could be 45 hearing this going, oh my gosh, that's me. Or you could be 25 hearing this saying, oh my gosh, that's me. So it doesn't matter. So don't get hooked on the terminology because yeah, because the steps are the same. And, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and I like this kind of this little process, uh, that Tess has where it's calm, explore, reflect, and build. So we're going to go through it. So let's talk about, it's kind of like the steps to getting out of it. You know, (laughs) what do you do? So yeah, great. Abby Tess, I'm stuck in this thing. I am feeling all those feelings. What do I do now? And so the first, kind of step in that, is calm. And so can you talk about that, like your thoughts, identifying your thoughts and feelings and all the things?
2: Yeah. So step one is always just take a moment. <laughs> take, a take a beat. beat. Don't, don't freak out. Um, so what usually happens is people either go in one or two directions. They either start making a bunch of decisions. They start like, I got to quit my job. I got to leave town. I got to do all these <laughs> things. And or they do nothing they stay stuck. They just, they stay paralyzed. You know, they stay paralyzed mm-hmm. and they do, well, because what happens is the parallel, the, they stay paralyzed because they feel like, okay, I have to figure out what my next job is, what my next career is. Right. So they just, they're like, maybe I'll become a doctor. Maybe I'll become this, maybe I'll become that. And then they, they're like, but I don't like science. So, <laughs> okay, so maybe I'll be, right. you know, they, they start to go in these, they go oh, too yeah, big. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 the they rest to, of their with, life. Yeah, they yeah. try to figure out what their end goal is. Right. It's a little bit like you can't figure that out. Like right. that's too that's too much. Right. So what you need to do is you don't change everything and don't change nothing. You have to first figure out, you've got to get yourself a little bit centered. You've got a lot of feelings going on, and you've got to start to figure out what are what are you thinking and feeling? What is going on? Because your thoughts and feelings are clues. Yeah, They are your signals, your clues, your, these are the things that are going to tell you exactly what, what you're feeling, what's going on with you. And what's happening, what I have noticed is, is that for a long, long time, it seemed like people were, and they still are like very afraid of their thoughts and feelings. We spend a lot of time like labeling our thoughts and feelings. Like, oh, those are bad thoughts. These are good thoughts. I want these thoughts. I want. I don't want those thoughts. It's like, stop. There <laughs> are no good or bad thoughts. There are no good or bad feelings. They're just the thoughts and feelings that we have. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to label them and, and trying to understand them. It's not about the thoughts and feelings that we have. It's really about what separates us is how we react to them. Yeah. It's how we choose to deal with them. Mm-hmm. So if you feel sad it's not about like, oh, my God, I'm feeling sad. That's bad. It's, it's more about how you choose to react to feeling sad. Right. So when you feel sad, the thing is, it's not about, oh, God, I got to fix the sadness. I got to fix it. I got to fix it. It's more about, okay, I'm feeling sad. Why am I feeling sad? What's mm-hmm. going on with me? Like, where is the sadness coming from? Yeah. And sometimes the sadness is, it's really, I'm just feeling sad. Like yeah. it's it's there's no there's no solution for it. I'm <laughs> feeling lonely or I'm feeling down. Or there's nothing. And then other times the sadness is really coming from somewhere that you can identify mm-hmm. and maybe you can solve. Yep. Or you or the or there is something that you can address and figure out. Mm. But what you need to start to do is you need to start to learn how to identify what's going on with you. And if you are sitting here think, if you're listening to this going, I really have no idea how to identify my thoughts and feelings at all, then you've got to start to learn how to, you know, it's about mindfulness. It's about meditation. You've got to, and I'm sure I know on this podcast. Oh, yeah.
1: All the time. time. Everyone's rolling their eyes right now. They're like, how did she sneak mindfulness into this also?
2: But you've got to. It's the only way to know what you're thinking and feeling in real time. And it's got to be in real time because it's the only way you're going to know how you really feel in that moment, like when someone brings something up. And another thing that I recommend to people a lot is, especially if a big reason why people have these quarter-life, mid-life crisis, a lot of it is centered around work. Some of it is relationships for sure, but what right. a lot of people come to me about is connected to work. And, um, and when it comes to work, I, I say to people, well, have you ever sat down and really kind of audited a day at work? Like what parts of your job do you like? What do mm-hmm. you hate? Like, who do you like, That's who good. do you not like? Like, So after a, a meeting, do you ever sit down and go, what parts of that meeting did I like? What did I not like? Who, what parts of your job? Like, do you really sit down and you just audit your day? Like yeah. what? things, what tasks what any of this stuff did you enjoy so just start taking um an accounting every yeah. day of like what is lighting you on fire like right. what's exciting you and what's bringing you down to start to get a sense of you know what's happening right to you. I and love so that these, you you want to be a little bit of a detective mm-hmm. you're you know the curious case of you, you know? <laughs> what's, what's going on with you what's happening with you? That's great. And and that's how you start to begin to better understand you and what's happening with you. And the more, right. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you talk about this too, which is uh-huh. the more you do this, the easier it'll get, the yep. more you'll get a better practice of this. And the more that you'll understand that you can't run from these feelings and the more that you'll understand that, you know, you, this will start to clue you in on and give you an idea of, oh these are the things about my job. I like, these are the things in the areas that are working in my mm-hmm. life. And these are the areas that are not working. Yeah. Because what I find more often than not is a lot of times people come and think, Oh my God, everything in my life needs to change my yeah. whole life. I need to blow it up. Right. And then usually, and there's a story about this in the book too, where one person who thought everything in their life needed to blow up. And it was a little bit of like, no, you just need to transfer it within your company. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, he, That really it's not everything. It's usually just one or two things. Small things that
1: in between. But it it depends on where those are in your life. You know, how central if if your relationship is if you don't have a job and maybe and your relationship is the primary thing that's going on, then that feels like, oh, we have to break up or we have to yeah. go to marriage counseling, we have to whatever. And if it's your job, if it's your kids, you know, mm-hmm. there's a way that whatever's in the center is really what takes priority. So yes. uh and I love that. I think that's so true. I've had so many people say to me, like, I have to change everything. And when you start doing a little audit, which I never use those yeah. words, which I now am going to steal, uh, when you start saying that, so they start auditing, they realize, oh, there's some parts, oh, there's a lot of parts of my job I actually like. It's just mm-hmm. this particular coworker or this whatever thing, or there's a lot of parts of my relationship I like. I just mm-hmm. don't like this thing, whatever it is. And so I love that. And then you can get uh really granular on what to do next. And yeah. and before we go to the next uh, step, I just want to say, so for anyone listening, you know, I have a mindfulness starter kit. You can download it on the website, on the shop page. You don't have to pay for it. It's free. Uh, or you can, I'll have it on the, you know, show notes page for this, but just start being mindful. It really is. And you can't change anything until you see how you're feeling in a moment. And mm-hmm. so for anyone listening who face palms later like oh I can't believe I said that or I wish I had said this or whatever that's mindfulness. So I think that's number 1 and I what I also hear you saying is not to be afraid of your feelings that mm-hmm. it, they're just you know feelings aren't facts and yeah to just, not final. you know, they're right. They're not the end. <laughs> they're not the end. They're, not, they're not final. I love it. So to remember that and get into those moments and not be so afraid. I love that. So calm yeah. is definitely your first step. Just yeah. take a beat, get mindful, get in the moments and see what's really going on. I yeah. love that. I love that. Okay. And then the second thing that you talk about, which I haven't ever really heard anyone talk about before, is this idea of starting to explore and going out into the world. So like when you're feeling stuck. So now you're calm. Now I'm starting to identify my feelings. Now I'm exploring. What am I doing?
2: Yeah. Well, so what happens now is, so people then feel like, right, they feel like, well, I need to put my job or I can't, what am I going to do? I need to, and-, and I hear this a lot from people and what they automatically go to is they, they instantly go to this place of, okay, I'm going to just, you know, I need to quit or I can't leave my job. Or they start to like, look at, um, they start looking at other jobs and then, and then they start looking at other jobs and they realize like, I'm not qualified for anything or there's nothing that's really interesting. And then they go down this rabbit hole and then they stop, then they, um, they start applying for other jobs and they don't hear back or, They look at other jobs, and they're not qualified, and then they realize they can't apply for them, and then they feel hopeless, and then (laughs) they're depressed again, and right? And then the cycle continues. Yeah. And the thing is, is that...
3: Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some,
0: well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
2: part of it too, is they don't even really want these jobs. And I'm like, well, stop. You don't even know what you want to do yet. So why yeah. are you looking for jobs that you right. don't even really want, that you're going to apply for, that you're not qualified for? It's like, stop, stop, Yeah, You have to figure out what's out there. Like, why don't you first try to figure out, like, what's out in the world? So I talk about, you know, I always use this example of, like, career land. Like, there's a whole big host of jobs out in the world, career land. And career land is also not just the jobs that you do, but it's it's also careers in general of like, what does that look like? Because work and careers and jobs, there's lots of different parts of it, right? Some people just have jobs. They just have a job that they do and they go to and they come home at night and they have a whole other hobbies and we're like, it's just a job to them. They mm-hmm. work and they come home and they pay their bills and their life is mm-hmm. what they do when they get home, you know? <clears throat> It's also figuring out what's the role that you want work to play in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, write like it, it's, it's that part of it too. So it's like kind of going out into the world and exploring what is out there. So what I recommend to my clients is before you start making these crazy ideas and before you go on Indeed and go down a rabbit hole of jobs, like go out in the world and start doing some research. So if you have this interest in, Right, becoming a lawyer. If you use this example, before you start taking the LSATs, which is where people usually <laughs> yep. start, you know, why don't you reach out to, you know, you, friends, family, friends, your parents must must know at least, you know, a bunch of lawyers. Like, why don't you talk to four or five lawyers of various backgrounds that do different kinds of law and people, anyone is willing to talk to you for thirty minutes. Always say what. Tell me about a day of your of your life of being a lawyer because right. you want to ask people like what's it like for a day of your life? Because work is what you do every single day. Yeah. Not like what your overview of your job right. is, But like, what do you do all day? Like, what's it like to write a brief? Like, yeah. are you writing briefs all day? Are you on phone calls? Like, what is this life? Yep. Like being a real estate attorney is very different than being a civil litigator. Then it's yeah. very different than being this kind of attorney or this kind of attorney, right? You want to you want to start doing some research, like go ask people these questions, then go, I don't know, before you take the LSATs, go get one of these LSAT books, and <laughs> say to yourself, I'm going to read or take a quiz and I'm going to do this four quizzes or, you know, or an hour a day or whatever it is that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if it's not being a lawyer, then maybe it's taking a class or two and, you know, you want to take one of those boot cl- caps. A boot camp classes, right? You want to be a, a software engineer or something like that, right? But you don't know if it's right for you, then take a class, like a one day class or something like that. Yeah. Pick low stakes, yep. low hanging fruit Yep. things that are like that can give you some kind of hit of whether or not this is interesting. If it's interesting, if it interests you, then go to the next rung and then right. the next, rung, right. and the next right. rung and the next rung and the next rung. So just start to explore what's out there. Yeah. Just see what that is. People go to these really extreme places and then they start making decisions based on yep. an indeed, like, yeah, you know, yep. write up yep. of a job. We can't, you can't tell anything from that. Go to the source, yep. like take the class and do the work and see if you like it. Right. Call, ask someone who actually does the job every day and ask them, what do you do? Yeah. Like, so does that sound interesting to you? Not based on what they think, but based on what is it that you do? Mm -hmm. And and you tell me. Right. Ask those kinds of questions. Like, that's why I'm saying be a detective. Like, suss out what it is, and then you make a decision based on that versus what a company is copying and pasting on an Indeed app. Right. Right. Well, um, and we we I mean by explore.
1: To, I love it. And we used to call these uh informational interviews back in the yes. day when you would go on these things, right? Yeah. So I I I love that. And there's also, you know, there's so many ways. Like I've sent clients to take a glass blowing class and a uh, you know, there's like a place here in Oakland called The Crucible that I'm giving you a shout mm-hmm. out that you know has all kinds of like metal working and other stuff. Sometimes just getting out of your head and getting into something creative will help you just do some of the calm from the first thing, but also Mm -hmm. help you open your horizons to what else is there. Because sometimes if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail, right? So, you know, you've been in the tech field all these years and you're thinking, well, I don't want to lose all my tech experience, even though you want to do something else. I mean, (laughs) you go from like Hollywood to therapy right to being mm-hmm. a therapist it's like such a it can seem like such a big jump but it might not be you know you might have a lot of tools in there that were very useful like mm-hmm. you just said and i think that's the thing for people to get out of that sunk cost idea the fallacy of that is to not just think, well, I have to do something that's kind of similar to really, and I I have a a few clients who, for example, got laid off from Google and Apple, Mm -hmm. some other, some big tech firms, right, who were there for many years and they got laid off in all these huge layoffs that just happened. And we're spending time, and these are people really in their forties with kids, you know, we're spending time really talking about, do you want another job? Like, a lot of people got the jobs right out of high school where Google was like the job to get. Like Google, oh my gosh, it's like having Harvard on your resume, right? Like, wow. And so, first of all, there's a lot of ego attached to that, of course, you know, a lot of pride and that kind of thing. But beyond that, what happened often is when you come out of school when you're, you know, 20 and now you're 40 do you want the same things? Do you, and and mm-hmm. did you actually, were you on a career path then or did you get an internship at Google, which a lot of people did, and then they got hired into whatever was open? And then they suddenly, I have one person who was in HR for years and she's like, I hate HR. <laughs> but that's no. where she built her career at Google. You know, like it was like, but that's not really what she wants to do now. Mm-hmm. But, well, I've only done HR. I'm like, yeah, but that could be a lot of things now. Like it really could. So what, you know, and you have to start. So I was actually sending her to take some just art classes. Just do something else. Get your head out of your ass and do something else and really let your mind relax. Mm -hmm. Because from that place, we get creative, we get inspired, you you know, and maybe you'll meet someone at the class. It might not be the class itself. You might meet someone who's does something, you know, I makes mosaics or something like, I don't know, or it doesn't even do anything arty, just does something else that you had never thought they're in the restaurant business. You're like, I've always kind of loved to cook. I don't know. You might find another avenue just from the exploration and opening your mind up. So Mm -hmm. I really love that. And that's true too, if you feel stuck in your relationship, if you feel like it doesn't have to be just work when you're exploring, you're because a lot of times we're blaming our partner for unhappiness and really it's got nothing to do with them. It's really about you and how do you be happy. And the only way to figure that out is to start, and maybe you haven't worked for a while, so do some interventional interviews to think if you maybe do want to get a job now or a part-time one. Or do you want to, again, take some art classes or something just to open your minds up to like, what makes me happy? And so that's what I really like about this explore thing is, yeah. first of all, you're taking action. I love that you're taking low hanging fruit action. You're not deciding the rest of your life. You you don't have to, you know, become a ceramicist, yeah. <laughs> you know, but you can take a class. Yeah.
2: Well, the other thing too is, and I think this is one of the things, this is a generational thing because in my generation, right? Like we just, we were told like, I would call people and ask them for you know, hey, can you do this for me? Do that for me? And and I do think that this is one thing with these younger generations; they have a much harder time like reaching out. Like you want me to reach out to someone? You want me?
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: I'm like, yeah, I do, and I want you to like pick up a phone. Yeah. (laughs) I want you to like you know maybe email them and tell them that you're Uh going to call them, but you're going to do this. And I think that these, I think this is really really important to um, that this informational interviewing stuff has gone by the wayside that we do need to get back to learning how to reach out to people. And you'd be surprised. People think that it is such a huge thing to ask someone. I said, people who won't talk to you, you won't hear from it's fine. Yeah. You know, but I said, I cannot tell you all the people that, that have been strangers to me, that I have agreed to chat with yep. for 30 minutes on the phone and I've given them, you know, thoughts yep. and advice and help. And, you mm-hmm. know, if I, if I've been at a point in my life where I couldn't help them, I just, I either said no, or I just did mm-hmm. not respond and moved yep. on. Like yep. that is like, yep. I, okay. I too. So if there's anyone out there, like, trust me, people will respond. And if they don't, it's not that they hate you. It's yeah. yeah. They can't. <laughs> <laughs> so just keep moving forward. Keep
1: moving. But, and send yeah. out a lot of those so you get a yeah, lot of so responses. People do want
2: to help you. Yeah. Do. And people like talking about themselves. So
1: that's what like. I was going to say. Yeah. People yeah. really usually like talking about their work, especially yeah. if you're at a place where you're not wanting something from them that's like a job. If you're really just you know, contacting them to ask questions as opposed mm-hmm. to really my ulterior motive is to try to get a job with you. Yes. So don't yes. do that. Don't have ulterior motives, you know, yes. just really, do you know, yeah. be really open and you'd be surprised. And I, people, I, I've talked to a lot of strangers about mm-hmm. counseling in the field yes. and what degrees yeah. are best and how to do what I do and, you know, all that. So yeah. you'd be amazed. And yeah, in the same way, if I don't have time, you know, sometimes I just can't do it. And I'll say, hey, circle back in September. I'll see if I have, mm-hmm. you know, an open schedule. Other times it's like, I j- you know, I'm sorry, I really don't. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you, a lot of the time I say yes. <laughs> I'm like, sure, I can jump on a quick call with you. And mm-hmm. so, and, and I, people are always shocked. Yeah. It's like, you don't have to be shocked. It's true. It, a lot of us want to help. It's a nice thing mm-hmm. to do in the world. So yes. I love that. And that takes me to... Well, it's really part of this step and the next one, which is reflect. When you start really determining your values, right? Mm -hmm. That so... Can you speak about that a little bit? And, and by yeah. the way, there's all these exercises in Tess's book that really go deep in each of these areas about like mm-hmm. how to determine your values and how to be con. You know, I just want to say that, but for, you know, we're giving you yeah. good stuff now too. You don't even have to buy the book, but if you do, and I highly recommend <laughs> it.
3: <laughs>
1: yes, I'm pushing, I'm pushing you. my friend's book, but I am because it's a good book. I have it. It's it's a good book. So, but I'm just saying there's a lot of like more how to's in there. Just mm-hmm. want to throw that out there. but. So let's talk about um, determining values yeah, and reflecting. Yeah, so I mean, with
2: each of these extra, you know, so as you're going out and um, and exploring and going out in the world, yeah, you want to you want to come back in and you want to reflect. You want to take in all of the things that you're learning. You're learning about yourself. You're learning about the world, and you want to reflect on it. You want to yeah. take it in and ask yourself, okay, is this going to work for me? Mm-hmm. Because what what's also hard is you're going to get a lot of opinions. This is the part that's really difficult. <laughs> yeah. Is and, and this is the impact of social media and the internet and everything is once upon a time, the opinions that you would hear were right of your parents, your friends, your family. Now we hear everybody's opinion. Yep. We hear every last yep. person's opinion known to man. And I think that And, and I think this is what's very hard is, is that there's a tremendous amount of white noise. And I talk about this in the book about just all the, I call it the outside noise. There's so much outside noise. There's so many people, there's so many people that want to weigh in. And I do think that this is because of that, a lot of young people do rely on too many people's opinions to, you know, there's, I have so many clients who like, I say, they just, they, they go out, they'll like. Post on social media, like, should I break up with my boyfriend? Yeah. Or they're like, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? It's like, stop doing that. Yeah. You, know, you need to decide what you're gonna do. Stop stop crowdsourcing yes. you know, your <laughs> life. Like, stop. Like yeah. you need to decide inside of you what you're going to do. And and you've got to make decisions based on what you want to do. So, as you, you know, if you're talking to these attorneys about what they're doing you have to come back and ask yourself these questions like, okay, this is all I heard. You know, what, what sounds interesting to me? And you do have to ask, like, does this sound interesting because this person's really enthusiastic about it mm. or does it sound interesting because that sounds interesting to me? Yeah. Right. Do I want to do this because they, they want to do this or does this, do I want to do this? Cause this is what I want. That's good. That's great. So It keeps coming back to right back to, Money, title, all of this stuff is nice. But what you do all day is what's going to sustain you. And you really have to think about who you are, your personality, and what you want to do all day. If you are somebody, if you're somebody who really does not like chit-chatting with people all day, if you're not a people person, if you're not really interested in people, being a therapist probably would not be a (laughs) a good idea at all. You know, if you're not someone who's fascinated by people like this would not be a good job for you. So even if you chat with someone who tells you about how amazing it is to be a therapist, you really have to think that through and think about that. And that's that that piece about um, some of the exercises that I give you in the book around values, which is really trying to understand, like, what's important to you? What do you value? Who are you? Like these questions. Mm. So that's why what I'm saying like when you go out and explore you want to take in all this information but you want to filter it through the, your lens of you like how, what's gonna work for you yeah and, and and what's and how do you do that so that's that reflection okay. piece of like you gather all this information in you take it all in and you think about, okay you know these are all this is all these opinions that I've heard this yep. is all the facts these are all the opinions what's gonna work for me
1: I love I love life? that. Because I think it's funny when I was, when I wanted to become a lawyer, that's my mother. My mother said, you have to go work with a lawyer. And so, and she did, she helped me. She was a big civil rights activist and I wanted to be a civil rights lawyer. And she helped me get in, you know, do a little summer internship with a lawyer Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know, I'm very me and gregarious, and want to talk to people and want to do my thing. And it was all, you know, sitting with books, writing briefs, right, looking for little minutia. And I was horrified. I w- I didn't, you didn't talk to anybody all that half the day. You were like locked in with your books, and you were, you know, making notes and looking things up and looking up references. It, the actual, I love what you said earlier about and i hadn't really thought of it this way but asking people what they actually do all day mm-hmm. because it's true what these people did all day right if i said what do you love about your job they'd be like oh defending people and you know having people find their liberty and their you know identifying their civil rights and it would be amazing and that would be so great <clears throat> they they would have told me things that i would have been like yes i want to do all that mm-hmm. <laughs> but when I said, what do you do all day? And they had given me what you do all day. It's like, oh, 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 I don't like like that. Oh, those things are like twice a year or, you know, once a month. Like, but the day to day of it is this other stuff. And that's, I think, so brilliant about that. And then that's part of your values. You're right. Like my value in connecting with people and talking to people and having, that was a high value of mine. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to help people. That was a high value in both ways, but these were two very different ways to do it, (laughs) right? So I, I really love, I'm trying to give this example to people to really understand like how smart, what Tess is saying is like really this, these quote unquote little things really make all the difference in determining what's important to you. And then re- when you reflect and really think about, um, like I don't like, as you, as Tess knows, I, I'm not a social media fan. It's not my thing. And I was always told like, you have to have a big social media following and you know, here's what you got to do, or you're never going to make it and here's how. And And I really don't like it. It's not, it's not of me. I'm a mm-hmm. boomer Gen Xer. We didn't have it. You know, I, I was late to the game. It's not my thing. And but I have a small social media following, yet I have a very large, successful podcast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, YouTube is growing and other things. Like it's all great. I have a big email list and I have other things that are very important to me. But if I'd listen to people saying this is the only way you're going to be successful at this. So I love mm-hmm. this reflect thing and your values because you have got to sit and go. Well, is it possible to be successful another way within this job, whatever it is that Mm -hmm. I'm attracted to, or within this relationship, or within this whatever that it is that you want to do, wherever you're feeling stuck. And to so yes, to take it all in and then to stop and reflect, oh, but that's not the way I do it, or that's not important to me, is there another way? Like that whole piece, I think is... Well, so I mean, smart. Even
2: if, if you pick out how the world of psychotherapy, coaching, all of the world, this world has changed radically oh, from when we were, when I uh-huh. was in grad school, when you were, you know, yep. going to school and, and all of this has changed so much just in, in the time that we've been practicing and, and, and all of that. Yep. And you're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right, which is, it, yeah, you're absolutely right, and that's mm-hmm. why I think it's so important for people to, if you if you want to be a lawyer, don't just talk to one lawyer, right? <laughs> you know what I mean. Talk to many. Like, yeah. So what do you do? So what yeah. does that look like? Right. Because there are probably many different kinds of civil rights attorneys, and so what does this one do? What does this one do? Oh, so is it all civil rights attorneys yeah. do this? Oh, okay. So maybe is it this? Is it yeah. this? Is it this? Like. Figuring out. And, and for some people, I've said to them, like, OK, so maybe civil rights justice is your hobby. Right. This is the thing that you do as a career is the thing that you, you know, this is your ah. hobby and your hobby is really important. And this is the thing that you do nine to five is mm-hmm. your job. Yeah. Right. And I and I think especially we're here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And what's so hard about being here is, you know, everybody's career is just, blah, you know? uh yeah. everybody here has to be hard charging, you yep. know, Silicon Valley, yeah, inventing an app, Mark Yes. <laughs> and I think that puts a lot of pressure on people here to be constantly like moving, going, doing. Mm. But you can just have a job. Yes. You know, and just be. <laughs> It's and true. Have hobbies and have other things that you're doing. But that's part of the process as well, is deciding that for yourself. Like, not yes, everything has to be
1: huge. I love that. And have and, other values and yep. beliefs. I love it. Know? And I, I was thinking of a, a client I have who recently moved from sort of like a farther away place closer to her job in San Francisco. You know, this idea that they had like, oh, we have to buy a house that's far away to raise the kids, you know, cause you can't afford to buy a house oh, in San yeah. Francisco, you know, sure. or you want a yard a dollars. or, a dollars. yeah, exactly. Or you want a yard or whatever. But then she was having this horrific commute every day. Cause she does have to go in the office. She has a job, where mm-hmm. she has to be in the office. So here she was hours in her car, you know, or taking, we have uh, public transportation or whatever here. And this, they've moved into the city. Like, they just, they were like, this dream we had, whatever this was, and they really didn't enjoy their neighbors in the burbs. Like, they like city Mm -hmm. people. Like, there was all these things that they thought, but when they determined their values, when we did this reflection, because she was feeling very stuck. Like, I'm going to have to quit my job and get a job here in the burbs, but I don't know where one is. And, you know, and I'm saying the burbs. It's like a a few cities away. It's a place, you know, near here. But, uh, and I was like, well, maybe you don't, like, what are your other, you know, we start to reflect and what are your values and what are the things that are most important? And that's how you start to think different. It really is. I I just think Mm -hmm. it's so, I think this step could be easily jumped over where Mm -hmm. you just are like, oh, I did all this exploring. I really liked what the civil rights lawyer did, you know, (laughs) and and you're done as opposed to really stopping and going, what are my values? What are the things that are most important? And how, you know, so how else could this look? How, what yeah. else could I do uh, to make that happen? So I I, I just want to really put that out there for people that don't skip that step. You know, yes. don't skip that step. And then, you know, when we go to, really, oh, sorry, please. Very fast. So the, the other thing with values that I always say to people too is you
2: we all have these core values that will always be with us, right? Kindness, love, like mm. that that will always be part of us. But we also have values that will morph and change in our lives. So I think that's also part of it too, which is, I think a lot of times people get very stuck in, well, but, but this was my value here, but (laughs) you can also decide like, this is not a value of mine anymore.
1: Yep. Right. Like
2: we hit these walls in our lives where you might've had this value of my career was very, very important to me. And then you also might say, well, now your value is I want to be home with my children. Yeah. Right. Like this, so that's also part of it too and it might be with so so you have the right <laughs> and you have so i think a lot of times when i think that you probably have this too with your clients a lot of times with my clients
1: i'm just giving them permission
2: yeah to change oh. their values so oh oh
1: that's so you have good the right to change
2: a value
1: right. right oh that's yeah. so so good no no that was brilliant it's so smart and it is really true because that also happens in relationships, that when you first mm-hmm. get together and the things the two of you value yes. can shift and change over time. And that's is why sometimes it's hard to have a relationship be very long term. It just who we are at 20 again, yes. <clears throat> what we think is important. And then we have life experiences and all the rest can change. And it's okay. You're not a bad person for deciding you want other things at 45 than you did at 25. You know, mm-hmm. and to stop judging. Oh, well, what's wrong with Why have I gone here? You know that's what I hear. I hear people just judging any change they make, and it's like that's just growth, right that's that's what yeah. happens. So love that. love that you said that. uh, and then this last piece, which is build, you know now I've reflect so I've calmed myself down. I've mm-hmm. went out in the world and explored <laughs> all the way, I mean really right i've I've yeah. like gotten you know taken a beat. <clears throat> and then I get out in the world and I explore all these different things, and i've I've tasted a lot of different plates, yeah. right? And then I sit and think, "Oh, what did I like about that? What did I hate about that? What did I love?" It? You know, and I start to really reflect on things and really like, what are my values? How does that align? And now it's time to build, right? Now it's time. okay, now you're there. You've to, and it's as most things, I just want to point out, so much of the work happens before the decision. Mm -hmm. You know, and I always akin it to painting a room, you know, if you've ever painted a room, you spend, if you do it well, to paint a room well, Mm -hmm. you have to go in first and you have to tape off things. You have to cover the furniture. You have to edge the corners. You have to, you know, make sure the carpeting's covered. You have to do a lot of work. And once you do all that prep, the painting is so quick. The painting mm-hmm. goes really quick and looks beautiful by the way. It looks as professional as you want it to look. But if you just get in there and start slapping paint on the walls, do you know what I mean, and like, yeah. oh, I'll just kind of edge as I go and I'll just sort of do it or I'll just do this little section. You've got paint on your couch, you've got paint right in the co- mm-hmm. like on your windowsill and you never got it off and you like it's messy. It doesn't look yeah. good. So this idea of what you're saying, I just want to really reinforce to people. I know, you know, we all want to get there. But yeah. doing the prep, really doing the steps is where the magic happens. So yeah. now we're ready to build. Sorry, go. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean,
2: so the, the hope and desire is, you. yeah, you've spent all this time, so you have all of this information about yourself. You have all this knowledge, this new knowledge about yourself, and you can start to put it together, whatever that looks like. And, you know, I'm a big believer in – Doing the easiest thing first. Wow, love <laughs> so it. Doing doing the thing that is gonna, you know, that is the simplest thing for us. So if based on all of the information that you're doing that you've found, if you don't have to leave your job, if you can just simply transfer, if, if it's as simple as I think that if if it really is about you and you changing like how you um interact with people. Like sometimes it is. And yeah. I've had this with clients where they've realized like, you know what? I just need to restructure my days. Ooh. I need to like make some changes in my life. I need to change my relationships with other people. I need to restructure my days. I need to rethink some things of how yep. I'm doing things. Like for some people it's that. And and you'd be amazed. That's the building that they need to make. For yep. other people, it really is. It is a big Piece of okay, now, I really do need to make some big giant lifestyle changes, so it is about the simple it is about taking those simple steps, but building is just about like the putting one foot in front of <laughs> and figuring out what do you need to do to build, yeah, and listen, if you're a self starter, great, then you know. I'm a big believer in like sitting down, putting together a plan, figuring out what does this look like? How do I do this? If, if you know, if you've figured out and determined, like, I think this is the, you know, like, this is the, this is the thing that I want to do. Like, this is the career. Mm-hmm. I think this is what I need to do. These are the skills that I need to figure it out and put it together. That's great. I'm also, you know, if you're someone who feels like I need help, you know, I need to go find help. I need to mm-hmm. hire a coach and right. hire someone to, help me. <clears throat> I need to go out yep. and hire someone to help me. Or for some people, it's just about finding an accountability partner. Mm-hmm. Then go out and find an accountability partner. Yeah. But the build part, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like if you've done all of this other work, this build thing shouldn't be. It should mm-hmm. actually be relatively straightforward. It's just on you to do it. Right. Like it's the it's right. the action part. I think that it is the, the biggest part of it is, is that just not getting stuck in the, um, you know, just, and and I talk about this in the book as well about failure,
1: yeah right? Like there
2: is no such thing as failure. There is no such thing as like, you know, don't get yourself caught up in this whole piece of like, you know, if you go out there and you take the LSATs and you don't do very well, mm-hmm. like You know that doesn't mean you're going to be a terrible lawyer. It's just like (laughs) reassessing. Like, go take one of those courses, right? And you know, get the get the prep, get someone to help you if you really do want to do this. this It's just a stupid test. It's got nothing to do with how well you're going to be a lawyer. Like, play the game, do the thing, right? Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. It's like don't get in your um, you know, just don't get in your way. It's a process. Yeah.
1: Well, there's no bad choices. I mean, you yes. talk about this. And yes. I like in the book, you talk about redefining this word failure. Mm-hmm. So if you, and to really understand that you can't get it wrong. Like whatever mm-hmm. you do next is going to get you to the next step, you know, yes. and that's going to get you to the next thing. So you might even decide after all this, I want to be a lawyer. And I want, and then you we're talking a lot about lawyers, but, yeah. um, but then, you know, you do, you take the LSATs and you i don't know start applying to law school and you really go is this is this it you know or or maybe you're mm-hmm. in law school you've done all that and you take some classes and you're in law school and you're like oh my god i couldn't hate this more mm-hmm. you know and it's okay which happens. it, it happens. which happens and it's okay at that point to think yeah. you know i would tell you finish the semester make sure uh yeah. but other than that you know always don't quit things right away don't you know don't and you talk you've talked about this too don't mm-hmm. just second you hit something go oh my god that's it you know that's a sign for the universe i'm not supposed to do it but you know finish out the semester maybe in that case Mm -hmm. or finish out six months at the job and then shoot and then think again like is Mm -hmm. and 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 really then go back i think to reflecting like Mm -hmm. what did i miss in my reflection process what did i you know okay what did i not think about oh this x you know not having a commute is more important to me than I thought. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, working from home is more important to me than I thought or whatever. You know, you start to really reflect in a different way. And that's the way it's like adjusting, you know, what is that thing about planes? You know, when they're flying somewhere, they're off course like 98% of the time or something, you know, they're always Uh like readjusting a little bit because there's always air currents and things happening. They're always like slightly readjusting. And that's sometimes what happens on the other side of this.
2: Well, that's a sunk cost fallacy. What happens for a lot of people is, and I've heard this from people too, where they realized that first semester they hated it, but they kept going. Yeah, because they felt like, well, I'm here, and I went through this whole process of getting in, and I, you know, and I worked so hard to get here, so I kept going, and I, I spent all this money on the first year's tuition. But you're just kind of like, so you're going to keep going and spend more money? Yeah, on yeah. This <laughs> thing that you absolutely hate, and but it's true. It's it's people do that, but they absolutely hate it. But you but you're absolutely right. Like if you just after that first semester just said, okay, I just spent a bunch of money on this, on this one semester. But if I just left, they probably would have realized like, oh, you know what? I let my ego get the best of me. Mm And I felt like I needed to be a lawyer because of this reason. And I didn't want to give up on this, this, and this. And so I just needed to let that go. And, you know, whatever that reason is here and You know, right. Like you're, if You, if you just, if you just keep checking in with yourself, if you just keep getting honest with yourself about why you're doing these things, you're better off and just accepting like, okay, I wasted some money here. I <laughs> some money. Yep. Got it. Okay. Yep. Yep. Then keep, then the, you know, five, you know, what is it? 300, 400,000 that you're going to yeah. lose in law school.
1: Right. Much better to know early. And, you yes. know, in, when I've spent money on things that later I thought, <laughs> what the hell, I yeah. think to myself, I'm going to pretend I had some great vacation. Like, cause I would have spent, I would have spent 40,000 on some European vacation maybe, right? Mm -hmm. So, and oh, well, you know, cause we can't, we did the best with the tools we had at that time and now, and now we're doing the best with the tools we have now, which are a little better because now I know more and that's all we can do at that point. But when you can get through your head that there are no bad choices and that nothing is a failure, this is all just a learning and growth to get you to where you want to go. That's really the, to me, the key of it all, right?
2: Cause the woulda, coulda, shoulda is because people, it's just a waste of time. I mean, the woulda, coulda, shoulda is it's, it's going to, I spend way too much time with clients doing the woulda, coulda, shoulda. Like it's, it's just, it's not going to help you. Nothing helpful. And you know, I have some clients who just, they want to spend way too much time talking about like Mm -hmm. some choice they made in middle school. I'm like, we can't keep talking about (laughs) it. I don't know what to tell you. I'm I'm sorry,
1: but I you know we I
2: we've processed this enough.
1: Yeah it's over. Yeah. You've gotta let it go. You were twelve. Yeah. (laughs) Give give your twelve year old self a break. (laughs) Because we do.
2: We all make we all make decisions that we that aren't the best. And I don't want to say that we regret because you you we can all sit here and go back to various choices and track them down and, and, but you can see all the good things in your life and go, okay, but if you hadn't made those choices, how did we end up here with these good people? Right. There's lots of good in our lives too. So what are you going to do? Like, what if you had made a different choice? Maybe this person would end up in your life. You want to spend an hour talking about that too? (laughs) Like we can get in the weeds about that too. So don't, Yeah. I love it. There are no, I have some rules to decisions, which is there are no good and bad decisions, just the decisions that we make, Yep. you know, don't woulda, coulda, shoulda yourself, like just accept choices Mm -hmm. and move forward and just keep moving forward. But just, and a choice, you know, it's better to just make a choice than not make a choice at all. You want control in your life. We all want control. So the choice, so making choices for yourself is the way in which
1: you have control. You that's great. That. So make a choice. That's great. And that's a skill. The more yep. choices yep. you make, the, more, the better you get at them. And, the, yes. you know, so very really get that too. Yep. Yes. I love it. Oh, I love it. What a great conversation. Cool. I know you're all very excited and want to know how you can reach tests or learn more about tests. So what are the best <laughs> okay. ways for people to get to know you?
2: Yes. So you can learn all about me on my website, testbrigham.com. Mm-hmm. So you w- w- can find my book on my website, mm-hmm. um, or you can go on Amazon. Yep. Um, I'm there as well. And on my website, there's the book. I have some eBooks um, as well. Yep. Um, if you are a parent of a 20 something, I have a book on there called True You Parenting, or this makes True You makes a great uh, book for your recent college graduate. <laughs> um, I also have a companion um, a course called True You. Um mm-hmm. Uh, which is a course uh, that I put together that is connected to the book, but it really gets into, into, um, you know, all of the research that I've done over the years. I've spent the last um, 15 plus years working with young adults. Um, So I have all of that on my website. If you want to work with me directly, um, you can uh, find that on my website. Um, Yeah. So it's all on my website. There it is. And I'll, well, yes mm-hmm. yes and also if i can give a quick talk, yeah my sister and i oh yes have a podcast ourselves i have a podcast with my sister it's called psych legal pop so if you love popular culture um so my sister's an attorney talking about attorneys yeah um so my sister's an attorney i'm a therapist we talk about popular culture through the lens of an attorney and a therapist it's every tuesday and thursday where you find podca- uh podcasts so
1: what's it called psych legal
2: psych legal pop good okay um, every Tuesday,
1: Thursday. So I love it. it. And I, I wrote down, down to ask you about that. And then, yeah, so that's yes. good. So we're I'm glad you put excited, that out.
2: We're having lots of
1: fun. It's so. great. No, it's really, you know, it's all, it's all the fun things that, Yes. Yeah. 90-day fiance and sister yeah, wives and, we a
2: and lot all kinds wives. of things. If you're a big sister wives person, <laughs> talking about like the Anna Nicole documentary, um talking about the Bama Rush.
1: I love you're it. You're not a big you don't watch a lot of TV, so you- I I don't personally, but I love what she does. So, you know you'd have fun with like a lawyer <laughs> yeah. and a therapist talking about these things.
2: Love it. So if you like all that kind of stuff, come check us out. Yeah,
1: I love it. All right. And I'll link to all that on the show notes page on the website, abbymedcalf.com for this episode. And that's it. Thank you so, so much, Tess. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute first, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon.